2018, clap your hands. And if you know he's going to be good to you, 2019, clap your hands. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. Hallelujah. Amen. I wonder if we could just stretch forth our hands and our voices. Man, there's a sweet presence of the Lord in the place. That's all I need to feel is see the people of God and feel his presence. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We might not be at conference tonight, but we can make it a conference night tonight. Ah, hallelujah. It may not be Friday night, but we can turn it into a Friday night. The master's in the house. The healer's in the house. Oh, we love you, sweet Jesus. I love you, Lord. I feel a breakthrough in the place right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to let loose. See, Jesus is already ready. I was looking at the drummer back there. He went, I said, oh, that's how you got to be, man. You just got to let go. I've never seen an uncool drummer. They dress good, just smooth, man, got rhythm, got cadence. I can't drum. Amen. Pray for me. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful to be here tonight. Honored to be here tonight. Amen. And uh, uh, I love ARC. Amen. I felt like we've turned a few corners here and there. Amen. Brother Chris, good to see you, brother. Amen. Praise God. They taught me how to shoot guns. The right way. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, love them. The book of Genesis chapter 2. The book of Genesis chapter 2. Amen. I want to commend this church for showing up on Wednesday night. I realize that, uh, man, you've been working all day, dealing with customers, dealing with uh, different things throughout the day. It's not always an easy thing to get to the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. But nevertheless, God is worthy. Nevertheless, God is worthy, and uh, I believe the Lord really appreciates when we show up to the things that seem insignificant. Praise God. I want to give honor to my wife, love her, and, and my son. Amen. I, man, that's another level right there. Man. Some days I think I have it together, then I'm quickly reminded that I don't know what I'm doing. Amen. Just when you think you got them figured out. Hallelujah. Like God, right? Just when you think you've got God figured out, he flips it on you. So you got to go seek him some more. I think God's got, I, I think that's, you know, God is, he's smart. He knows. If we figured him out, we wouldn't have to seek him anymore. He always leaves a little bit of question and a little bit of mystery so we can go figure it out in prayer. Amen? How many loves prayer? Now, your flesh don't love prayer. Amen? Your spirit loves prayer. But once you get into that mode, that, that momentum, into that flow, when you get plugged in, I tell you, there ain't no better place in the world, amen, than being in the presence of God. And I believe as the church proceeds, as the church develops, as the, the, this church in our day grows, I believe that 
Amen. Our prayer time will also increase. Because at the end of the day, we just love Jesus. We just love Jesus. Amen. Love the hoods. I appreciate them. I know they're doing an awesome job wherever they are. Amen. One of my favorite preachers. Amen. Genesis chapter 2 and uh, verse 7, 8, and 9. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, 8, and 9. I know everybody in here has probably read this, this chapter at least. Generally, when you decide to read the Bible, I usually fall off about Genesis 5. I, I'm just being real. After the stories fall off, you get to numbers, you're kind of like, eh, time to sleep, amen. And then you get convicted during about December 25th when they start handing out the rewards for people that read the Bible throughout the year. You're like, man, I'm trying to squeeze in a few chapters, you know. <laughs> amen. Like, man, I always wanted one of those certificates. I never got one. <laughs> wanted one, man. I thought about lying, but then I'm like, I read somewhere in there that you <laughs> New Test somewhere in there. I know you. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. How many knows God don't need a lot to make a lot? Woo, that's a message right there. God don't need a lot to make a lot. Just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of praise. Just a little bit of Wednesday night. And God can start forming stuff. Amen. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden. Everybody say a garden. Eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Somebody say every tree. God put some trees in this garden. Trees that were pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As I was prayer the other day, the Lord began to talk to me about some trees that he's put in our garden. And I want to talk to you tonight about trees that I treasure most. Amen. Somebody say the trees. My subject title tonight is Trees I Treasure Most. Jesus, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the precious people here tonight. God, I feel like there's a reward in the house God, I feel like there's tremendous blessing in the house. I feel like somebody's going to walk out of here tonight, amen, greater than they were when they walked in, more powerful in power. Somebody's walking out with vision. Uh, I see darkness breaking off. I see clarity, vision. I see somebody got plans. I see business plans. I see, I see great things coming to pass. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preface my preaching tonight by saying this. As an evangelist, um, you go many places to preach. And uh, this is no slam, nor is it negative, 
Um, but I believe that not everyone knows. We know how to hear preaching, but we don't always know how to receive preaching. Preaching is a two-way street. And what I mean by that is we are all the priesthood. Um, in the Old Testament, it was the priesthood that actually had to pick up the Ark of the Covenant and it had to move a certain direction. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant would move, that's where God would move. Um, the problem with that was, is it actually like in the, in the uh, book of Joshua, when it was time to move that Ark of the Covenant, it was a, a wooden box outlaid with gold. Um, it, was, it was mighty heavy. Uh, one priest could not move that Ark by himself. It had to take multiple priests. But once they got that thing moving, waters begin to part. Miracles begin to happen. And I have learned that uh, if, if we get into a church service and if we can help the preacher, and I'm not saying that just for my sake. I'm saying that anywhere you go, uh, at a conference, Friday night, at a youth rally, don't matter. If you can get behind the preacher and say, I'm going to help carry my load, amen, I'm, I promise you things will start moving. Amen. Trees that I treasure most. Um, I remember a specific day in my childhood uh, growing up in the projects there in a little town in Sedalia, Missouri. I remember one particular day, um, the project housing area was always lively. Uh, there was things always going on. Somebody was either getting in a fight, uh, somebody was arguing, somebody was outside barbecuing. Somebody say amen. That's good preaching right there. And um, you know, things were just always happening. I remember one particular day, uh, my friend, Vincent Miller, a young, slim, wiry kid, he had surgery from his stomach up to his heart as a little baby, and I remember the scars. And I remember one day he asked me to follow him. And so, as kids do on this exploring trip, put on my shoes, amen, didn't tell my mom where I was going, thought I was grown, amen, and... Um, we headed out, and so we got a few blocks, and I remember standing in front of this huge oak tree, and uh, little Vinny looked at me, and he said, I think we should climb this tree. And so with the adventurous spirit that I have, I thought that was a good idea. So one by one, foot, leg, knee, arm, branch, pull, foot, leg, knee, arm, branch, pull, and I begin to elevate. I began to go up higher, and I looked behind me, and I thought about the view, and I said, oh, boy. And I kept climbing. Um, the last thing I remember is pulling on a particular branch, and uh, the next thing I remember was laying on my back. Little skinny Vinny staring over me, slapping me asking me if I was okay. I didn't feel any pain. Um, I didn't feel my breath gone out of me, but I knew that I had fallen a mighty long way. But the good news was is I just didn't remember it. Amen. And so I got up, I dusted myself off, and I told myself I am never climbing another tree again. Somebody say amen. Um, you know, that tree didn't apologize either. Amen. He said, you're on your own. I realize that trees are not a popular subject. 
to talk about. Surely, probably not to preach about. Uh, Trees, if you're like me, uh, I could fall asleep quick if you start talking about trees. Amen. But uh, in the Bible, there's over 300 references of trees. I think it would be naive, at best shallow, to think that God is not trying to tell us something through the subject of trees. Can you say amen? Um, you got to watch God because he will slip things on you. He will put things that look so simple and so shallow, and he will speak things as deep as pools. Over 300 references of trees in the Bible. Even Jesus himself said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. I believe that Jesus was saying if you at least don't have an elementary understanding about trees, you might miss out something about him. Because everybody knows it's the branch that lives off of the vine. What Jesus was saying is that you can breathe, but you can't breathe without me. I believe, uh, hallelujah. He's saying you can go to work, you can own a business, but you better believe I'm the one that's making you go to work. I'm the one that's helping you run that business. Amen. Can't do anything without God. As a matter of fact, David said, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And except the Lord watch the city, keeps the city, guards the city. He said the watchman wakes up in vain. I would hate to know that I'm waking up in vain. Praise God. Especially if you wake me up too early. Hallelujah. I'd like to think that there's some purpose to you waking me up. Praise God. Amen. Even David himself said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, that Bible, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. David said, that man shall be like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water. Well, there's something about an individual that stands in the midst of trial, uh, that stands in the midst of adversity, that stands in the midst of that dragon, fire-breathing devil, and says, I'm going to stand like a tree. I'm going to stand I'm going to plant my feet right here. I'm not going to move until God tells me to move. Amen. Praise God. I look and I can't help the fact that God is interested in trees, how he made trees before he ever made man. That says something. I believe that God is trying to tell us something about ourselves even through his creation. When you study trees, you'll find out that trees are the longest living organisms on the face of the earth. You know what that means? That means trees know how to survive. You got to watch Jesus because Jesus said, he that endureth till the end shall be saved. You got to have you a survivor's mentality. You gotta, you gotta have you a survivor's disposition, not somebody that's gonna give up easy. Amen. Even Jesus said, "Man, listen, when they hit you in the cheek, he said you turn the other one, but you stand on your feet." Amen. Amen. My father was a professional boxer. I know a little something about boxing. Amen. When you get hit, you just don't go down. 
So you got to watch Jesus. He was saying, when you get hit, make sure you keep standing so you can turn the other cheek. You know, a lot of us get hit with bad news, and we just lay out. Praise God. Count it ten. But no, I, you know, I'm going to stand. I want to have a survivor's spirit. Amen. He says it over and over. He that endureth to the end. You got to have you some endurance, fam. You got to have you some endurance. Amen. Endurance is the ability to keep standing through the, through the face of affliction and pain. When everything is going in reverse, you you got to maintain your praise and your positivity and your mentality of worship. There's an old synonymous word called stamina. It comes from endurance. Stamina, it's an amazing word. I don't know who, who thought of this thing, but there's an old Latin word named stamen or stamen. It's where we get the word stamina. The stamen of a flower is the part that holds the pollen. It keeps the pollen. Amen. Through No matter what, it keeps the pollen. The pollen is what gets on the other flowers and causes them to produce. Stamina is contagious. Because no matter what I'm going through, I will hold my praise. And brother, if you hit me enough, I will release it and my praise will get on my brother and he'll be able. There's something about endurance. There's something about surviving. Amen. That when the dust settles and the smoke clears, people, (coughs) I'm going to be standing in the house of God. I've made up in my mind I'm going to be standing in the house of the Lord. Man, you could go on and on about trees, about how they need water to survive and how it's nothing for a tree to suck up 100 gallons of water out of the earth, amen, and expel it in the atmosphere as oxygen. I could talk about going through the bad stuff, but sucking out all the good stuff and then coming to the house of God and having something to praise God about. That's why the Bible says count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, not just one trial. You know what it's like. You wake up Monday morning, you got few trials. You got so many trials, the devil's like, whew, man, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> My. Count it all joy. See, it's the bad stuff that actually gives you your praise. It's the bad stuff that actually gives you a purpose to live. I promise you, that's why you smile is because of all the things you've went through. That's right. Where there's much laughter, there's been much pain. That's God's gift. Man, I could go on and on about trees, but what amazes me most about trees, amen, Brother Jonathan, is that trees have the capability to bend and be twisted and be flung and survive the most horrendous and horrific storms. Trees. That's why David said, I'll be like a tree. I've seen a lot of people with pretty leaves and pretty foliage, but they didn't have no root system. Mm. I've seen them come, and they can worship God on a Sunday night, but the moment that, that ferocious tornado comes, and hits their life, man, they tumble and they're gone with the wind. 
But there's something about trees that know how to weather the storm. When you study trees, you'll find out it's, it's, it's nothing short of, of amazing of trees that, that, that are bending horizontally in the middle of the storm. In the, most, in the most horrendous, the most ferocious hurricanes and tornadoes and twisters and, and these, these storms, amen, and these calamities, trees have known to bend but not break because there's something on the inside of their root system. And I can't help but to think of us. Paul picks this mentality up, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels. So you got a treasure on the inside of you. He said that the excellency of the power may not be of us, but of God himself. So you got God on the inside of you. And then he says it like this, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. You know what he was saying? It ain't as bad as you think. It may look bad. It may feel bad. It may seem bad. He said, but it's not as bad as you think it is. You're troubled on every side. He said, but I'm not distressed. He said, I might be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. Hallelujah. He said, I might be persecuted, but I am not forsaken. Oh, it may look bad. Amen. It may look like a nightmare. It may be a dreary storm. But I want you to know, he said that we are cast down, but we are not destroyed. It may look bad. There's something on the inside. Amazing thing about Genesis, you've got to understand, is the devil was not satisfied with them eating from the tree of life. He wanted to divert them to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A lot of times we focus on that. It's either, man, you're either living for God or you're not. You're either doing good or you're not. You're either struggling or you're, you're overcoming. But the fact of the matter is, Brother Jonathan, is that God gave them other trees to eat from as well that were good for food. Trees that would sustain them. Trees that would give them pleasure. Delectable trees that would that would strengthen them and give them sustenance, but you never hear what those trees were. This principle does not change now that we are living in the New Testament. There are some trees in your garden I think we ought to have. I think, what are you saying? Are you talking about little trees? No, I'm talking about mental dispositions. I'm talking about the mind up here. The first tree you got to have is a tree that reverses the curse. It's going to blow your mind like it blew my mind. See, there's a tree in your garden, if you look hard enough, that when you eat from its fruit, it reverses every curse in your life. What are you talking about? You, 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 you got to understand, the devil's main uh, weapon of choice is to convince us that you are cursed. Like there's some bad omen about you. Um, you will look in the mirror and say, if I had this physique, I would be further. But the devil says, you're cursed. You can't change it. You look at your family history. Say, if my father was A, B, and C, I would be X, Y, and Z. And the devil says, you can't help it. You're cursed. 
You'll look at your education, your financial background, choices you made. You would even remind you of your past. Say, man, if you wouldn't have made that mistake five years ago, man, look where you'd be at. You cursed. You got a bad omen on you. Calamity follows you. And it's easy for us to walk around and think that we are cursed. But there is a tree in our garden that breaks every curse, generational curses, mental curses, curses that I put on myself, man, bad mistakes. And that's called the tree called Calvary. (laughs) Got to watch. Look, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul starts talking about this tree. Look at what he says. He says, for Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, that's the curse of sin. He said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. He says, being made a curse for us. How about that? He said, Christ became a curse for you, so you don't have to be cursed in any way. Watch what he says. For it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangeth on a, oh, Calvary was a tree. Calvary is a tree that reverses the curse. So it don't matter what you look like. It don't matter what your financial background is. It don't matter what your past is. It don't matter what your daddy did, what your mama did. You are a blessed man. You are a blessed woman. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know what the, I know how the devil works. The devil will look at your health and say, you are cursed. No, no, no. You got it wrong, devil. I'm blessed tonight because I've got a tree. Somebody give him praise. I've got a tree in my garden called the tree of Calvary. You know what you ought to do? When you start feeling cursed, you ought to go and stand in front of Calvary and say, oh, he reversed every curse. See, the devil will come and say, you don't look good enough. You ain't smart enough. You're not educated enough. You're not wise enough. You're not slim enough. You're not tall enough. You're cursed. You ought to look back and say, oh, no. You know what the next verse says in Galatians 3.14? For we have received the blessings of Abraham through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the fact of the matter is when Jesus hung on that tree, he actually broke every curse, and now you are blessed. So when you look in the mirror, you got you to tell it like it is. When they ask you how you're doing, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. See, the devil will try to convince you. See, the devil... Man, I wish I had time to tell you how the devil works off fumes. He don't work with the real thing. He works off shadows and shadow tricks, fear factors. He, he, man, he'll come and try to tell you, man, the reason why you are struggling emotionally is because you cursed. And you start feeling like a loner. You start feeling like the church don't understand you. You start feeling like, man, brethren don't understand you. That's a lie from the devil. Amen. Because God understands you. Amen. I said God understands you. And if God understands you, what else does it matter if anybody understands you or not? You might be complicated, but God understands that. Amen. You might get all up in knots emotionally and you try to explain it and people don't have time for you. God has time for you. See, I'm blessed. I'm really blessed. I'm really blessed. Man. I mean, look at Sarah. Homegirl was over 90 years old. And the pharaohs was like, holy bro. 
get that number. I'm just going off my own mentality. Now, I, I'm just, I'm trying to picture a 90-year-old woman that's so attractive that whole kingdoms are tripping over themselves trying to get to this woman. And her husband's lying because he knew how pretty she was. The only thing I can think of is that she was a blessed woman. So when it is time for your promotion at work, don't look at your past and your father's past and your, your cursed family history. Look at your new family history and say, man, my God is blessed. Abraham, I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed woman. My car is blessed. My business is blessed. My house is blessed. My, my God. Blessed. I'm blessed. I got a brother at home church right now, Brother Griffith. Boy, they get mad at him. Because every time you ask him how he's doing, I'm blessed of the Lord, highly favored of the Lord. Every time you ask him, how you doing, Brother Griffith? Blessed and highly favored of the Lord, brother. You're like, easy, brother, easy. Easy. But he's walking in his inheritance. You got to let the devil know I'm a blessed man. I've got a tree in my garden called Calvary. And my Savior was on that tree. And he broke every curse. It don't matter if it's alcohol. It don't matter if it's drugs. It don't matter if it's psychopsychotic drugs. It don't matter what the, he's able to break every curse. Every, somebody say every curse. He's, man, this is why you ought to not be intimidated when they walk through those doors. Because the devil say, that dude's cursed. He ain't, ain't no hope for him. You a lying devil. Because my God hung on that tree and he broke every curse for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Man, you better, better have that tree in your garden. You got to go to it every day. He said he gave them trees to eat from. You see, God has got some trees I think you ought to look at. When the prophet Isaiah talked about Jesus Christ coming, he prophesied about him in Isaiah 53, verse 2, and he describes him as a tree growing out of the ground. And he says, whom will believe the report of the Lord, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And he says these words, he says, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. You know what he was saying? It's going to be an ugly tree. He said he hath no form or no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty about him that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. You ready for this? And with his stripes, with his stripes, I'm healed. See, there's a tree in your garden that understands when you start feeling despised and rejected. There's a tree in your garden that understands that when you are feeling lonely and you are acquainted with grief. Anybody ever been there? When you are acquainted with grief and you can't laugh or be in joyful times like times of old. 
Amen. There's a tree in your garden. There is a God that understands. Amen. What about when you make mistakes and you start transgressing and there's iniquity there? There's a tree that I can go to when my wounds and when I've been hurt. There's a tree called a tree of understanding. Fact of the matter is that God understands all your pain. He understands your grief. He understands your wounds. He understands when people despise you and when life dejects you. God said, I understand. The most sweetest times you'll ever have in your life is when you are hurting the most and you meet him in prayer. And brother, he will, he will pour sweet oil ointment in your wounds. How many knows there ain't no touch like the healer's touch? There ain't no understanding like God's understanding. There's a tree in your garden, friend. See, the devil will try to convince you that God don't understand. He'll try to drive you away. See, his main objective was to drive them away from the tree of life. That's what his main objective was. If God can drive, if the enemy can drive you from the fact that God doesn't understand your pain, he knows that you will feel utter hopelessness. Because there is no utter hopelessness than the fact that God doesn't understand. But he said these words, he said, the very number of the hairs on your head are all numbered. Amen. How can he not understand if he knows things about you that you don't know? It sits on top of your head every day. I mean, let's be real. You woke up and somebody was counting the numbers of the hairs on your head. You woke up from a nice nap. You're like, what are you doing? Oh, just counting your hairs. What are you doing, Pastor? See, God goes places. He knows things about you that, that people don't even care to know. Amen. God understands your pain, friend. God understands your wounds. And watch this. That's right. You got to watch because that tree's available at any time. Don't have to get hyped up on some Sunday night to, to get a hold of God. No, you can go anytime. It's in your garden. He's there. See, we've got to. We, it, we, oh my God. Maybe next time, part two. Hallelujah. There's a tree in our garden. See, the Bible says that when the children of Israel, you got to see this, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And they were shouting, brother. They were dancing. They grabbing tambourines. They were moonwalking. I mean, they were doing everything. I mean, they were having a, a grand old time. And the Bible says that a few days after that, they came to bitter waters. See, what you going to do when bitter waters come? When offenses come? See, the waters were contaminated. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will be in us as rivers of living water. But when a fence gets in your Holy Ghost, man, you talk about bitter waters. Even James said it ought not to be sweet water and bitter water coming from the same fountain. Oh, boy, I'm stepping in some territory because I'm just getting right down to humanity. You don't have to be a prophet or, or, or a, a sidekick to understand that this is where people struggle. Because it's easy to go leave work and start talking about the boss. Amen. You know, Amen. We all been there, praise God. The carnality starts rising up. Boy, you're like, man, I can't stand Mr. So-and-so. 
you're at home talk, telling your wife all about the job. She don't even know you don't even know who these people are. You know, if people just stack them right here, and they you got to be careful because bitterness bitterness translates to other areas of life. It's easy to start translating into the church. A bitter bitter is bitter. Amen. The Bible says they came, it started with the waters. They were upset about the waters. They were thirsty. It had nothing to do with Moses. And all of a sudden, that bitterness got, and they turned to Moses, and they started murmuring towards Moses. Because bitterness grows. It's a root. It's a tree. And it grows. And the Bible says they looked at Moses, started complaining at Moses. You got to watch this in Exodus chapter 15, verse 25. The Bible says that Moses prayed unto God. And God showed him a, I call this the tree of forgiveness that you've got to have in your garden. You've got to make sure that tree is doing well and you water that tree and you've got to make sure there's fruit on that tree. Because there's going to be a day when somebody offends you and somebody hurts you and the wound's going to cut deep and friend, you're going to have to go to that tree. This is the last message of Calvary. The greatest message that Jesus ever preached was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Brother, I'll be, can I be real tonight? There's been times I've been hurt so bad. The only thing I could do, I told myself, I will repeat, I forgive as many until it becomes, seems stupid. And brother, I don't know how many minutes or maybe even an hour went by, and I kept saying, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, because I knew the root of bitterness. He said, you've got to look diligently. Look at what? Look at your garden, lest there be any root of bitterness springing up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, the fact of the matter is, is that the root of bitterness is trying to grow in your garden, and when that tree grows and it becomes mature, it will suck the life out of all the other trees. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen some of the most powerful saints, but they didn't watch that tree, and bitterness sprung up, and it sucked all the nutrients out of mm, out of Calvary. It sucked all the nutrients out of out of out of out of everything, and. Mm, I've got to forgive, friend. I've got to have a forgiving spirit. I get nervous. Man, I, and I'm almost done. I'm probably going to. I get nervous when I start getting critical. I'm just critical. Some, something's come up and I said something. I'm like, man, where did that come from? God's tapping me on the shoulder. You need to go eat from that tree of forgiveness. Better go eat from that tree. Man, if there's going to be anything to take you out of the kingdom of God, it's going to be an unforgiving spirit. You will get hurt. Paul dealt with it. He said, no man stood with me in my trial. You mean to tell me, Paul, all the ministry you gave and all the money you gave and all the help you gave and, man, you laid hands on the sick and you prayed over people and you, man, you pulled people, you laid over Eutychus and raised him from the dead and when it was time for his trial, no man stood with him. No man. He struggled with it. He struggled with that. 
he's telling Timothy about it in the last chapter of 2 Timothy. I st- he said, no man stood with me. He said, but the Lord stood with me. I said, the Lord stood with me. Amen. I'm almost done. These are trees you got to have. You got to have these trees. See, when Moses was on the backside of nowhere for 40 years, I'll tell you something about Moses. Moses, God called Moses. He said, I want you to go to Egypt. This is going to help somebody. And Moses said, I am slow of speech. People say he had a thick tongue. He stuttered. He didn't have a thick tongue. He didn't stutter. Amen. That's proven in the book of Acts. What he was saying to God was, I haven't been in Egypt so long, I forgot how to speak the language. David said the Egyptians had a strange language. And you know what God is telling you? There's some languages you shouldn't be able to speak, like worldly language. There's some music lyrics you shouldn't be rehearsing. There's some videos you shouldn't even be talking about. Want to sit, you know, a little commercial break description. Throw that in there. But the fact of the matter is, is that God called Moses out of a burning, burning bush. You better have you a burning tree in your garden. You better have you a place and a time that God has called you for a specific purpose. You have to sit back and say, God, what have you called me to do? What is the purpose? Um, what have you anointed me to do? The first message that Jesus ever preached on that day in Galilee, he said, the anointed, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. See, Jesus knew I've, I've got to have a purpose burning tree. You got to get there. Amen. You got to pray in that prayer room until God begins to deal with you and that tree begins to burn and you begin to see your ministry in this life. Amen. What are you called to do? What has God burned and blazed in your life and said, I've got a mission for you. I've got a mission for you. I want that tree in my garden. I'm walking with purpose. I'm talking with purpose. I'm I'm going forward with purpose. Amen. Praise God. These are principles in my life that I've held on to by the grace of God. And the last tree you got to have is called the praying tree. Everybody say praying tree. This is amazing because when you read about Abraham, In Genesis chapter 13, watch him now. The Bible says Abraham removed his tent and he removed it to a place called the Plains of Mamre. The English says Plains. The original text is actually the Trees of Mamre. The place where he moved his tent to was actually a place that was known for its huge oak trees or terebinth trees. This is where he said, and the Bible says he built an altar right in the middle of the trees. He said, this is a good place for me to have a prayer life. Hmm. Gotta watch him now, because that's where he built the altar. And then Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says he sat at the door of his tent in the trees of memory. See, he built an altar said, I think this is a good place to live. Not just visit from time to time. This is a good place to reside. 
in prayer, where I built my altar. And the Bible says, Genesis 18, verse 1, here comes God and two angels in the trees of Mamre. You got to have your place, friend, in your garden that God can come and visit you. You got to watch them because the Bible says Abraham took milk, he took butter, he took a young calf, and the Bible says he set it before them, Genesis 18, verse 8, and he stood before them under the tree. I just look at Abraham under the tree. Close to the place where he built his altar. Here comes God and two angels to visit that place. And now here he is, fellowshipping with God under this prayer tree. You got to have your place. You got to have your prayer life. You got to have a designated place that if God comes to visit, he can sit down a while and he can fellowship. Praise God. The prayer tree is struggling, folks. I'm not talking to this church. I'm talking to the church triumphant. The prayer tree is drying up. It's withering. Its fruit and its leaves are drying up. Because the enemy, the adversary, is trying to convince us to go to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Young people, you hear me. Please hear me. Don't let the internet that tree of knowledge of good and evil, suck all of the life and fill your belly to where you have no appetite for the prayer tree or the tree of life. You're fooling yourself. I'm fool. We are fooling ourselves if we think that we can go and eat from every other tree in this world and have a little appetite for prayer a little appetite for forgiveness. Amen. I want to reserve my appetite for Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. God, we love you. We love you. Amen. Anybody thankful right now in the name of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. 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 Come on, look at your garden tonight. There's some trees in your garden. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, look at your garden tonight. There's some trees in your garden. Come on, there's some trees in your garden. There's some trees in your garden. You know, it's amazing to me, amazing to me, that Moses had a bitter situation and all he did, he went to that tree and he cut one branch off and he just threw it in there. And the moment he threw that branch in that bitter water, as the Bible says, it's turned sweet. It's like Turn sweet. Jesus told a parable. He said one day a man was walking through his garden and he saw a fig tree that just didn't bear any fruit. He got upset with the fact that this thing is taking up space and it's 
It's pulling nutrients from the other trees. And, and I ask you tonight, what is in your garden that's pulling nutrients from some of those trees we talked about? He looked at the husbandman and said, I want you to cut this thing down. But the husbandman said, I, there's some good in this tree. He said, let me dig about it. Let me dung it. Let me, let me prune it. Let me cut on it. Let me mess with it. Amen. He said, and if it doesn't produce anything after a time, he said, you can come and cut it down. And I just look at this husbandman as he began to work on these trees. See, the fact of the matter is, is your forgiveness does need some work. My forgiveness needs work. It's a human thing. My prayer life needs work. Amen. I got to go back and look at Calvary and, and see really what he done for me. Praise God. Man, Calvary. I'm going in my garden. What am I? What I well, God, I, I want these things to bear fruit. You ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, there is a tree. And he said, on this tree is 12 manners of fruit. He said, and it's healing for all the nations. That's the type of tree I want in my garden. I, I want to get around people, and if they're hurting, I've got something to give them. And man, if they're going through the trial of their life, I can just pluck something out of, out of my spirit, maybe out of my a story. Or Man, you know what those are? Those are the storms you've been through. Don't let your storms be in vain. I'm telling you. There's testimonies in the house. There's testimonies in the house. You know why the church goes through hell is to, so we can have a testimony for the world. Say, I know what you're going through. Come on, we're going to go through it together. You pluck off that fruit and here you go. Amen. And Jesus said, he that endureth to the end, will I give him the tree of life in paradise. Praise God. That's the tree I'm waiting on. Amen. That's the tree that I want. I think, why don't we come and pray right now in the name of Jesus. I think it's a good night to just come and revisit some things in my garden in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, remember what he did on Calvary. Come on. Has he been a good God? I said he's been a good God. Oh, there's great things ahead of you, huh? Come on, you've got some trees in your garden that will bless you. There's some trees in your garden that will heal you. Come on, the Lord has given you every tree. Pleasant to the taste, good for the food. Come on, he said, I put some trees in your garden that's good for you. That's it, cry out to him, begin to love him, begin to thank him, Lord. I'm thanking you for the trees I treasure most. I'm thanking you, Lord, for what you put in my life. I'm thanking you for the storms. I'm thanking you for the wounds. I'm thanking you, God, for the blessings. I'm thanking you for my family. Come on, somebody go ahead and give him thanks. Oh, somebody go ahead and give him thanksgiving right now. Woo!